Hello, welcome to A Leader Like Me podcast, where we will be amplifying diverse voices. My name is Advita Tell. And I'm Priya Bates, and we're co-founders of A Leader Like Me. We really hope you enjoy this listen. This week, we chat to the remarkable Shalini Gupta. Shalini Gupta is a senior communications professional who has worked internationally for over 15 years in various communication roles at the top FTSE 100 and Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of internal communications roles and disciplines. Shalini enjoys problem solving and finding creative ways to land tough messages in a simple and compelling way. She's best when she's working with people across all levels of the organization, and she's passionate about rallying groups and people around shared purpose. In her spare time, she actively engages with industry forums, including the Institute of Internal Communications and the Chartered Institute of Public Relations Internal Communications Committee. She's also an IC ambassador and supports the Taylor Bennett Foundation as a mentor. Shalini's interview, Priya, was everything that I, I've known Shalini, I should say, for a while, and it's everything I expected it to be and more. And it, her stories around how she started in communications was inspiring. And I didn't even know that about Shalini, about how she got into the world of PR and communications and what her passion was. What was your favorite moment in that interview? I really enjoyed exploring her travels from India to Dubai and to the UK and her talking about those various different experiences. And what was surprising for me personally, as somebody who's grown up in North America, is I have a lot of biases. When she started talking about Dubai, I did not expect her to use the words that she did, melting pot, uh, the fact that people all coexisted and that it was very vibrant. I know it's beautiful. I didn't know what it would feel like being there. And it actually encouraged me to want to visit Dubai uh, one day. I also loved the way she described her time in Dubai and how she connected with different people from different cultures, talking and, and, and spending time together, that multicultural that we just don't tend to have, in my opinion, in, in the UK, you know, celebrating Eid and Diwali and Christmas together. You know, it's not like people are not interested. They definitely are. But, you know, you, you never think about going to spend the time with your next door neighbor and celebrate their occasion like Eid or, you know, Iftar or whatever. And, and, and it seems to be the norm in Dubai. And I love that story from her. I also love the way she spoke about leadership and what that looked like for her. In our first episode with Miriam, she spoke about visibility and Shalini had very similar views on that as well. And it was an incredible interview with her and and one of our founding members of A Leader Like Me. And I'm so proud of everything that she's achieved. I really hope that those of you who are listening enjoy the chat just as much as we did. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do rate and review and leave us a comment or send us a DM as well. We love hearing from you. Uh, Enjoy the episode and we'll see you soon. If you're a woman of colour who is looking to build courage and confidence, join The Nest, a safe and supportive community that will help you progress in your career. You can find out more at aleaderlikeme.com. Hi, Shalini. Thank you so much for being with Priya and I today. 
The first question I want to ask you is how did you end up working in PR and communications? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your career history? Thank you, Advita, and thank you, Priya. I'm absolutely honored to be on your first podcast, and you know that. Um, so it's really, really amazing to be here. Yeah, so uh, you know, I guess you know it, it takes me back um, to my early kind of university days when I was in the university. I just wanted to explore, like people at that age, as to you know what is it that I wanted to do going forward. And just for the fun of it, you know, I started working part time in the national television and you know the national radio whilst I was in India at that point of time. And I just went in for an audition one day for uh, the radio, uh, the national radio, and uh, the television as a presenter. And I got selected. Um, it was quite daunting. It was very, very daunting at that point of time. But I really wanted to sort of, you know, experiment. I was very um, you know, inclined towards the media and, you know, the industry as such. And that's how it all kind of, you know, started. And when I did start kind of, you know, as a presenter on, on the radio, as a radio jockey, as you say, and also, you know, <laughs> on the telly, I also had an opportunity. I mean, those are the days when you didn't have sort of, you know, FM and uh, you didn't have kind of, you know, cable television as such. So, uh, and very restricted resources too. Um, I had to write my own scripts, do my own research. I also had an opportunity to work um, in the background because of working for a TV production company um, as an assistant producer and director. And, um, you know, had the experience of sitting at the editing table after, you know, having filmed, um, I was a co-anchor with a celebrity anchor covering the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. So that was very exciting. Wow. As, uh, you know, a 20-year-old to, to do that. So I guess, you know, that was my kind of first foray into the world of, oh gosh, I really enjoy writing my scripts and that kind of behind the camera or, you know, at the editing table, I guess the whole conceptualization of sort of end to end of a show as such. Um, so I, that was the first, um, you know, first thing that I think, you know, got me interested into anything close to PR. Uh, and I think soon after, when I was doing my master's, um, I got introduced, uh, you know, a bit, a bit through through people I knew to, you know, corporate communications as mm. a discipline as such. It wasn't sort of as established a discipline as it is now, as you know, you know, the PR industry was more mm. kind of, you know, whether you do um, you do a degree in journalism or, you know, that, that was the kind of, you know, career you would think about at that point of time. And I, at that point of time, I got an opportunity uh, to have some work, work experience and work in the communications um, of uh, GE in India, customer communications it was. Um, and it was my first foray into the corporate world, learning a lot about, you know, how things work around here. And it was also uh, the year when I knew I was going to get married and move uh, to the UAE in, in Dubai. Um, and, you know, I immediately knew that, you know, I wanted to kind of, you know, work in PR, sort of, you know, communication, something related, you know, in mm -hmm. similar fields. So when I did my MBA um, in India, when I left India, that was the first job um, that I got in, in, in Dubai was, you know, as a communications manager. Amazing. Mm -hmm. What a story. It's a great story. I'm really curious because you talked about starting in India, moving to Dubai, and now you live in the UK. What were the differences from a diversity perspective as you moved through those areas? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously in India, I mean, like my children say when they go back to India, you know, mommy, everybody looks like us, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, obviously uh, it's a it's a huge cultural, it's a huge cultural shift, you know, going into Dubai. But the, I think the beauty of moving to Dubai at that point of time was, you know, Dubai is like such a, it's such a cultural melting pot, you know, the city itself. You see people from all over the world. And I think the city really absorbs you as is in, you know, in what it is, you know, there is no one culture to Dubai. It's kind of, you know, everybody from around the globe. And I think, you know, that is, it's absolutely magnificent how people live together in harmony <laughs> uh, from all walks of life. And, um, and I guess, you know, it, it's, it's quite interesting as well, because when I moved after a couple of years to my international secondment to the UK, that immediate kind of stark difference is noticed then not whilst I was living in, in, in Dubai itself, because, you know, everybody who is there is, you know, a foreigner in, in, in some respects, an expat away from the country, away from the families. And everybody is a minority in some respects, you know, whether, you know, you're white or brown or black, uh, because it's not home for anyone as such. Um, and, and I guess, you know, it was really good, uh, you know, when you sort of mix around, um, you know, in your sort of, whether it's professional circles or friendly circles, you know, it's very vibrant, culturally vibrant as well. I remember going for, you know, iftar parties out, you know, with, with colleagues or, you know, Christmas or, you know, sort of Diwali parties and everybody would be in it together having fun. Um, and I think that was the that was the beauty of sort of being in that kind of you know culturally eclectic sort of a sort of a country, and it's and it's flourishing today. I think you know because of the very reason it's in the top places to work. I think in the world. Amazing. You know what really struck me there when you said when your daughters when you go back to India with your daughters and they go, oh my goodness, everyone looks the same. Everyone looks like us. And it, you know, when I speak to my friends and and colleagues who you know, explain that feeling like England and UK will is always be my home. I was born here. It's a culture that I understand, but there's always an element. And I've said this before, like it's almost an element that you're always on the peripheral of the culture, right? You, you, there are certain individuals that make you feel like you don't belong in here. And, you know, the certain comments and all that kind of stuff. But when you do go to, when I, I've not been to India a lot, to be honest, I've only been a few times, but when you do go back, there's a sense of, it's a, it's a weird feeling because you're right, everyone looks like you. <laughs> and it's a really strange kind of experience. Um, there are obviously the challenges in India. You do stick out. I always say, like me and my sister always say, that we people know instantly that we're not from India, you know, just because of our the way we stand, the way we walk, our behaviours and all that. So it's, it's so incredible that even the daughters of your age can recognise that already. The difference they do they, they do they they do absolutely so it's not about you know just looking like us but it's also they don't sound you know we don't sound yeah. the same though although they look like us we don't because they get all the attention you know from their cousins um and you know friends and families we meet because of obviously they're born here you know with their very heavy british accents as well yeah. and um they're, they're hindi they're still kind of you know learning uh speaks of fluent hindi but it's still bro a little broken um so they do realize uh that's where they are slightly different uh, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, they, they, they also do realize um, uh, the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the I think the amazing aspect of it where, uh, you know, you've got the best of both worlds, I guess, you know, East and West from, mm. from that sense and the dual identities, which I think, you know, they really seem to enjoy. Mm. It is, you know, it's really interesting having that kind of dual identity and there's elements of being feeling left out in both cultures and, and that belonging piece, but it's also that richness that you can bring 
to the, to the conversations. You know, we spoke about um, you working in PR and comms and the differences in culture. One of the challenges that we've all spoken about together through the Leader Like Me community, but also, you know, us, you and I have spoken as well, Shalini, about that, that being one of very few minorities in the world of comms in the, in the UK, you know, what has been your challenges that you faced since being in the UK working in, in communications? I think, you know, what I've really learned uh, Advita is, and it's a really good question that, you know, me being in minority doesn't have to hold you back, you know, from anything really. And I heard um, Shahriar's session yesterday, which was absolutely mind boggling yesterday when she said, you know, something that really sort of, you know, um, sounded with me was underline your power, not undermine it. You know, and not be just un- unapologetic about you know just celebrating yourself and you know in in who you are. So I think you know those are the principles that I've sort of lived with, always. Um, in fact, I think you know being in the minority um, has been a huge advantage to me being in PR and comms because you know if you think about sort of you know the cultural quotient that you're expected to have, and the understanding of how people think um, and uh, your audience, you know, from a PR and comms perspective, is even higher when you've sort of interacted with colleagues, you know, with the diaspora from around the world. Um, and I think you know the hard-won lessons as well that you've sort of, you know, learned from the challenges of living in different countries. Um, And I think, you know, if you leverage them right, then they become your secret weapons. And they have become for me because in various kind of, you know, campaigns that I've led, whether it's kind of diversity, inclusion or well-being, you know, often I'm told, you know, you have an eye for what the audience are looking for, what our colleagues are looking for. And I think I credit that back to having that kind of, you know, the cultural quotient understanding and that empathy of thinking from your audience perspective, because you have lived through an experience of multitude of people from so many backgrounds. So it can, it has only been an advantage to me, I think. And that's something, you know, I'm in Canada and North America, we're seeing the same numbers uh, from a communication industry perspective, a very small percentage that are in the industry, but then as you rise to the top, an even smaller percentage. And, And I always say that when your customers are diverse and your employees are diverse and the communities in which you work are diverse in most of those places around the world that we all work the i think there's something missing when you don't see that advice that's going to leadership who is also fairly lacks diversity to actually get the right advice and the right counsel so so there's definitely so so let's talk a little bit about that what are those opportunities to get the diversity when there isn't diversity in certain parts of our profession? I mean, I guess, you know, you have to really walk the talk is is the first thing, you know, I think if we want kind of, you know, diversity in our fields, we really have to walk the talk. Uh, from my perspective, you know, once I'd kind of, you know, been, been in the country and kind of understand the ways of, you know, working around, it was really important to, for me to be able to you know, be generous with my knowledge and support and encourage those who are underrepresented in the industry to sort of, you know, really see somebody like me who is flourishing in the industry. So I think that was the first step of me kind of paying it forward and giving it back and really helping sort of mentor those, the next, you know, generation who are coming up. And I do a lot of that, uh, you know, with Taylor Bennett Foundation and just more lately with, you know, migrant leaders as well. Um, And I think that is, if we 
you know, if I think, you know, we don't take that first step, how can we help, you know, sort of the others kind of look at the staircase, move forward, I think. Um, so that has been quite, quite important to me. Uh, and I think so it's, it's really about sort of walking the talk. I mean, that is a really valid point about what are we doing, you know, ourselves to kind of raise the visibility of the work that we do. So other people are encouraged yeah. to be part of that community. You know, we have got a battle uh, you know, a big battle, I would say, to until we become an equitable workplace uh, in terms of race and uh, age and sexuality and all the other kind of protected characteristics that are out there. And work is taking place in Peru, and I have had several conversations with different people about all of this. But the element, you know, what you just shared there, sorry, about walking the talk is critical because you can you can write one thing and you can do a huge announcement about how inclusive you are as an organization and how you're embracing different cultures and diversity. But if your colleagues are not experiencing that, then the challenge is, is that that talent is going to exit the business and you're going to go, right? If you're not being embraced and you're not being, and uh, and you're not thriving. And I read a quote uh, a couple of weekends ago by somebody who said, you know, being in this organization, it wasn't about thriving, it was about surviving. And I think that was quite a powerful statement because nobody just wants to survive, you want to thrive. I think what you just shared there is is critical. Shalini, we talk a lot about um, leadership. So when we speak as a, on, on, you know, regularly and, and through our kind of leader like me community, we talk about the women in our community being leaders and stepping up as leaders. Can you, can you, you know, can you give us a bit of your thoughts on what leadership means to you and how you recognize yourself as a leader? I think leadership means many things to me. Um, and personally, I draw inspiration from just so many leaders from around the world when I think about leadership from all walks of life, you know, whether you talk about sort of, you know, the empathy of Jessen Darden, you know, empathy, I see empathy and vulnerability as, you know, one of the top kind of really key skills, or you look at Oprah and you look at has a very powerful sort of, you know, fearless self, which I think, you know, every leader should imbibe. Uh, if you look at the kind of absolutely badass attitude of Serena Williams, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's hugely important to me. Or, you know, you look at Dina Nair, how she's sort of absolutely breaking the glass ceiling and who's now sort of the CEO of Chanel from an HRD of Unilever. Or even closer home, look at J.K. Rowling as an absolutely brilliant example of just keep believing, keep trying and just achieving your dreams and not being afraid to fail, I think. And I think in all those qualities that I've summed up, and I think I see them as, you know, qualities that, you know, are very integral to being a leader, basically. And I've learned from all of them. And there's just so many of them. These are just a few examples of have people you, that I look up to. Have you have you faced any challenges in your journey in leadership? Have you faced any adversity or have you has anybody kind of tried to bring you down? Because it does take an element of confidence, right, to put yourself out there and be you know, leader and represent that leadership. You don't and I always say to people that I work with that leadership is not in title, it's in behavior. And I think when you present yourself in a certain way, sometimes other people around you can be uncomfortable with the confidence that you bring to the conversation and the stance that you might have without falling into that, you know, without them, I suppose, them kind of talking to you about being a bit aggressive. You know, those are the words that normally are associated with women who look like us, who are a bit bold and a bit ambitious. Have you faced anything like that? And if you have, how have you addressed it? 
Well, I think, you know, we have a natural tendency as women and even women as color, women of color, you know, to we filter ourselves, we limit ourselves, you know, we have this sort of, you know, wall in front of us. But I, and I think, you know, as growing up, we've learned, as you said, you know, not to brag about ourselves, you know, be kind and be nice. And I think that kind of gives us a lot of apprehension kind of later in life. So I have obviously, you know, I have faced all of that. And I think that becomes, um, it becomes more, um, it comes out more, I guess, you know, in the open ones, you sort of, you know, looking at your leadership journey. I think, you know, it's, um, I've really learned, and I'd say credit to uh, a leader like me to start with when I did start, you know, a leader like me was really learning to articulate, you know, my achievements and exercising my own power. I think that was the first thing that was hugely important to me. Um, and you know what? I'm a communicator. I'm a leader in communications. You know, if I don't use the power of communications for my own good, then, you know, who would, <laughs> basically? Um, so uh, I think it's been very significant when I've had those moments, when I've had those moments when, you know, my imposter has kind of, you know, creeped up. I've really sort of stepped out of my comfort zone and um, I've really made an effort of just defying everything else, my inner voice that's been telling me, no, you can't do this. And you know, just wanting to do every one of those things. And for example, you know, speaking at, you know, events, being panel, you know, being at panel events, um, chairing panels, uh, mentoring others, uh, you know, writing industry blogs, um, being on committees of industry bodies and networking, you know, call it, you know, what I've done everything in the last three years. So I think what's, what's really been important is, you know, once you step out of your comfort zone, I've um, been a bit of a rebel, I see comms rebel, um, your brand, but I've been a bit of that myself. And I think the more you do those things, um, the more it pulls down your detractors <laughs> in that sense. It doesn't have to be an armed battle, I think, in any sense of words. Your work, what you do, I think, um, is, is proof enough. Like, like I said, you know, it's, um, I think, you know, that's your secret weapon and how you use a secret weapon of uh, who you are and what you do. Kind of Your work speaks for itself then, I think, in that sense. But it, but it does take a lot of work to get, get to that, uh, you know, get to that position, I think. Now, you know, we know through a leader like me that that fear of public speaking and stepping out there is, is the one that they're most worried about. And I have to admit, that was the one I was most fearful of when I was starting my career. So I forced myself into it. And, uh, and, but it was hard because it was very yeah. much out of the comfort zone. So for what, what advice would you have for folks who are struggling to make traction and how do they get out there and start being selected for public speaking opportunities? Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. So that's a really interesting um uh, question there, Priya. I think, you know, the first and foremost thing is uh, belief. I think it's it's massive. Like Oprah says, I'm a huge fan of Oprah and I you know, absolutely love quoting her. And as she says, you know, you don't become what you want, you become what you believe. Um, and I think if you can't believe you, you know, you can do it, then it's not going to, you know, get you to where you want to be. So I think, you know, just having that confidence, um, looking for somebody who, you know, can mentor you, um, I think, you know, that's hugely important. And I've seen the benefit of mentorship, you know, myself, but personally, and it can be life changing. And I've said this to you at Beta before, you know, a leader like me has been absolutely life changing for me. Um, having that sort of, you know, community of people who you can have that inner voice chatter with when you have that sort of low confidence, that has really helped me personally. So, you know, look out for 
your community, you know, look out for, you know, your support folks uh, who will help you with that when that inner chatter comes into you and says, no, you can't do it. Um, and then along with sort of having that sort of belief in you, just go ahead and do it. Because I remember the first speaking event that I did was um, Cross Atlantic. Uh, it had audience from uh, Canada, America and the UK, my very first. I was nervous. <laughs> I was <laughs> nervous like hell for the very first one. It was, I think, you know, two and a half, three years back. Um yeah, and you know, but since then I've I've just done so many of these. Um, and I'm booked until kind of you know July, September, August this year as well. And I'm just speaking at you know quite a few podcasts, um, and doing just so many events now. And then people are kind of approaching me proactively, which is absolutely amazing. So it does take time. It's taken me three years, um, but you know, a lot of patience, uh, talking to lots of people, uh, and having the support. I think you know of your, um little network or community is absolutely important amazing and you know that was one of the reasons that we did set up a leader like me to give folks like you a voice right you know how many conversations have we had in the past about being visible being recognized Miriam Gonzalez who who's in our episode one speaks about visibility a lot and she says you need to step out as women uh, as women of color, as you know, as underrepresented people, we need to keep. We need to be visible because if we're not visible. People don't know what what can, what is the possibilities, right? That 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 can be there for individuals who may feel lost or a, a, alone, and that is Absolutely. one of the reasons. Yeah, definitely, and that is one of the reasons why a leader like me exists and is quite powerful. And we're really proud of what we've achieved with a, a leader like me. And you know, you were one of our original founding members. You know, you didn't have anything to go off. Basically, you know, we hadn't communicated previously, you and I. I think I sent you a message on LinkedIn about potentially joining uh, joining the group. And my question to you is, you know, what what inspired you to, to be part of the Leader Like Me community, knowing that you didn't know what you were kind of getting yourself into? You know, Priya, you hadn't spoken to either me or Priya. You just saw me kind of write this spiel to you on LinkedIn on direct message. But what was that kind of turning point for you? that made you realize, do you know what? I want to be part of this community. I think it was the uniqueness about the program sort of catering to the development of diverse women, I think, you know, and, you Mm -hmm. know, both of you are so well known in the industry as well. Um, I think that's what kind of, you know, drove me initially Um, because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't ever any, I hadn't seen any program where, you know, they would specifically focus on diverse women and also give them the opportunity, the community element, I think, of Leader Like Me, which is, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the USP. I think it's the absolute USP because you have a confidential, trusting space of exploring your own challenges and learning to overcome them and coming out really bold and confident, you know, which is I was, which is what I was able to do. So that was kind of, you know, hugely important. And I've seen the impact of that. And I've seen the impact of that because, you know, once I started putting myself out there, um, which took a lot of courage for me, by the way, um, you know, the feedback that I got from people on my WhatsApp and, you know, phone calls, especially from, I won't name people, but from, you know, a tough, a very tough ex-boss, you know, who said to me, um, she said, you know, I love your relentless promotion, you know, these days. And she said, I feel really inspired to do this myself. And I see her exactly doing it you know, sort of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the start of this year, kind of really promoting herself. Or, you know, another a, a colleague who thought networking is just so daunting and boring at the same time. 
and, you know, asking for my advice on, you know, how can I get on speaker gigs and, you know, how can I get to know more people in the industry? And also I've had so many requests from people I know, can you review my LinkedIn profile? Or I've even had, you know, people share LinkedIn profiles of their, you know, partners. So mm-hmm. can you help advise on how they can advise, you know, improve their visibility, build their personal brand? Can you look at our CV for us? You know, I'm absolutely inundated <laughs> with requests <laughs> um, from people I know sort of, you know, within, uh, you know, within my circle, within kind of a you know, wider industry. Um, so I think that's the impact of it. And I feel... Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel really, really good and humbled at the same time because, you know, kind of paying it forward and giving it back is what makes me, uh, you know, feel happy. And, you know, I think that's that's the, that's how I feel kind of, you know, successful that I've done. Um, I, I've, I've paid it forward, you know. I love that. I, I know you've got uh, two girls, Shalini, like I do. And uh, and I always uh, have thought that, you know, you've got your professional life, that's your career, you've got your personal life, but then you also have that philanthropic side to make you a whole person. And it's it's great for your, your kids to see you embrace all of those things, because we've always talked about that in the program, that it's not just what you're taking, but what you're giving back. And, and that's kind of the leader like me, the leaders that we want to create are those who who give back. One of the things that's really been interesting in the group, um, in our Leader Like Me Nest community, is we do a lot of work celebrating the successes, and there have been a lot of successes every week. Advita and I hear about uh, our members having new opportunities, being recognized. It really feels good. And then in the community, when you step out in that space, when you start taking leadership, there is pushback. And what we see in the community is that's where we safely discuss the things that have gone wrong, microaggressions, you know, uh, situations. And sometimes it's helping group, the, that whole idea of groupthink. We all support each other and provide our experiences and provide our advice. Uh, what has that experience been like, you know, being part of the discussions in, inside and then seeing the successes outside? Yeah, Um I mean, you know, it's been absolutely amazing. Like I said, you know, the the community and the very close-knit community and friendships rather. I mean, you know, we, we've become such close friends now uh, as, as part of, uh, you know, that group. Um, I mean, you know, it started with an opportunity to getting to know each other and connecting with each other. But I think, you know, the confidence that we have, the trust that we have in each other to be able to kind of, you know, discuss our challenges. Um, I don't think there's any other community that anyone has built where, you know, you're able to do that in such a safe space. Um, and where, you know, there, there's nobody to judge you. Uh, nobody's judging you and everybody's drawing out from their life's experiences, you know, their career experiences and everybody's there ready to support you and guide you, I think, you know. Um, and I think often in life, you see, it's really important to have these kind of, you know, you know, your support community, your, your sort of support network. Um, you know, to, to 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 lift you to the next level. Um, I think so. I think you know that's that's the beauty of um, the community you both have you know set up and worked so hard on. Thanks, Shalini. I think what you know the the key word there is support. And when we interviewed Olivia Bussy, who is also a member of a leader like me, she said something. It's having the power of ten thousand women behind you, almost. Um, and and a part of that is what we want to try and bring with a leader like me. It's having that. You know, you may be alone in conversations, you might be lonely in the workplace that you're in, but knowing that you've got this vibrant community who will have your back 
no matter what is what makes the community what it is today. And that's something that we are extremely proud of. And it's thanks to members like you who help it thrive and help it grow and help it develop. So we are grateful for you, uh, uh, for you and for the work that you're doing and the contributions that you made and also taking a chance on prayer and I, right? Because you, you mentioned something about, um, and it seems to be a common theme throughout all our podcast chats about failing and not being fearful of failing and not, you know, taking that risk and putting yourself out there because you just don't know what, what could happen. And we always say, you know, good things don't happen in your comfort zone. And that's exactly what, you know, a leader like me is. We give Absolutely. people enough stretch so they are a little bit uncomfortable because we need that to progress and we need that to thrive and to, and to move on. So thank you so much for that. Right. So we are now going to move into rapid fire round, right? You don't have to answer the questions rapidly. And we are going to change the name of rapid fire round for the next <laughs> season because we realize it's not quite rapid fire. But anyway, I'm, we'll in, crack I'm on. intrigued. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question is name a leader you admire who has inspired you. I would say Lena Nair. I'm hugely sort of inspired and influenced by her. You know, I follow her on all social channels. Um, you know, she, she's come to our workplace as well to, to talk about, you know, her career. Um, absolutely inspired by her and everything she's done, you know, her courage, her sort of really breaking the glass ceiling, uh, the empathy, the vulnerability she shows. Yet she's so down to earth. She's such a down to earth person. Um, and uh you can you can see that authenticity shine through, you know, in every single sort of you know interview or presentation that you can see, uh, and I think that's absolutely brilliant uh, for somebody like her. Um, she she's a she's a role model for I know thousands and millions of girls out there. And we really hope to get Lena on one of our future podcast episodes because, like you, you know, I followed her journey, and she's she is definitely a very inspiring woman. And now she's CEO of Chanel, you know, incredible, yes. incredible. Amazing. So what's, here's the second question. What is the one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Oh, one piece of advice to my younger self. I think it'll be quite, quite a few, <laughs> quite a few different pieces of advice. One piece would be, you know, just be hungry for more. Don't be afraid. Because I think sometimes as young people, we really limit ourselves. Uh, Just be hungry, you know, learn more, just experiment more. Yeah. Keep at it. it. Yeah. Be curious, right? Put yourself out there. Um, And the final question is, what wouldn't we know about you by just looking at you? That I used to be a really fun radio jockey once upon a time. <laughs> and I have fan mails. I've still kept my fan mails. Uh, wow. I love that. I, I mean, that was that. <laughs> when, he, when he shared when he shared that at the start, I was like, I had no idea that you were hobnobbing with all these Bollywood celebrities in India. Incredible. I'm gonna gonna have to uh, look look those shows up if it was uh, if it was post-internet anyway. So hopefully we can still see. Shalini I'm looking for copies him. of them as well. You know, I'm after <laughs> copies. <laughs> incredible. If anyone's got a copy of Shalini being a DJ, then please do send it in. That's that's incredible. Well, thank you so much, Shalini. If people want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? My LinkedIn is uh, the best channel. I'm okay. also on Twitter, at Shalini mm-hmm. Gupta J, uh, but I'm sort of more active on LinkedIn. So Brilliant. find me there. And we'll make sure we put Shalini's details in the show notes if you do want to connect with her as well. But thank you so much for your time today, Shalini. It was an incredible, inspirational chat as as we expected from you. Uh, And thank you for your time. 
Well, thank you for your time. It's absolutely an honor to be on your first podcast. I'm so thrilled. 